Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Hello, I want to welcome everybody joining us today, those of you in the locations, those of you joining us at church online, and of course, across the 78 prisons through Way Out TV, wherever you are today, you are really welcome. If you don't know me, my name is John, I'm part of the staff team here at C3, and it's my privilege to share the word with you today. I'm going to share a standalone message, this isn't connected with any of our current teaching series, but it's a word that I'm excited to bring you, and I believe it's a word that's important for us to hear in this season. Today I'm going to explore how we avoid distraction, we focus on the mission, and we receive God's power. I'm going to read in a moment from Acts chapter 1. So if you have a Bible nearby, why don't you grab that? You can follow along with what I am reading. And wherever you are, I'd love to encourage you to stand if you're able. And we're going to honour the reading of God's Word. We're going to read in Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 3. It says this. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. This is talking about Jesus after he has risen from the dead. It says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. Everyone say, but. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's journey. Let's pray together. Lord, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for your love to each and every one of us. Lord, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would speak into each and every heart right now. And everybody who agreed said, Amen. Amen. Hey, before you take your seats, why don't you turn to your neighbor, or if you're on your own today, you're just going to have to declare this with confidence to yourself. I want you to look them in the eye and to declare confidently the title for my message. Say to them, Stop staring at the sky. Stop staring at the sky at the sky. You know, sometimes we don't look where we should be going. We can get a bit distracted. And that can be a little bit dangerous. One of the things that happens more commonly these days is we can get distracted on our smartphones. So we might be walking along the street, checking the scores or whatever you like to do on your smartphone. And suddenly there's a lamppost in front of you or even worse, right? There could be somebody else, probably also on their phone, who is right in your face, right there, because you weren't looking where you were going. 
I, when I was six years old, I did not need a smartphone though to get into one of my own mishaps where I was not looking where I was going. So six-year-old John grew up on a farm and he decided one day, he was walking back from the barn where the animals were, back to the back door of the house and I decided I'm six now, right? Like, I know this route, I've walked it so many times. So mum's walking a little way in front of me and I'm like, I do not need my eyes open for this journey. I can do it with my eyes shut. What a great idea that was. Like nobody dared me, nobody encouraged me, just of my own accord, I was like, I'm gonna do this with my eyes shut. So I shut my eyes. And I'm going, and one second, two second, yeah, I'm the man, this is going well. Three, four, yeah, got this. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, bang! Like, the next thing I know, I'm looking up from the floor, and I'm crying, and I touch my head, and there's a bit of blood coming from my forehead. You know what I've done? With me not looking where I'm going, instead of going under the middle of the arch that I needed to pass through, I have walked bang, straight into the wall to the side of it. And I got through it, I got over it. You can cry for poor six-year-old John, but he was fine with just a little scar to tell the tale. But I wasn't looking where I was going. And get this, when we're not looking where we are going, we are in danger of missing what is important. When we're not looking where we're going, we are in danger of missing something that's very important. And that is true physically, like we can bump into things. But it's absolutely true for us spiritually as well. Church, I believe there is a danger that we could become distracted Christians who lose sight of what Jesus has said is important for us. You know, God wants his church to look where he said we should be going. We don't want to become distracted Christ followers. You know, the verse that really hooked me and got me wanting to teach this passage to us today was this line from the angels, the two men in white, to the disciples. It says, they say to them, why do you stand here looking at the sky? Here's a brief contextualization of this passage that we're studying today. Jesus is God made flesh. It's God with us. He's stepping into our story. That's what we celebrate at Christmas time. That great news that God is with us. And Jesus, he comes to earth. He lives. He lives a perfect life. He shows us the right way to live based on loving one another. He dies on the cross for our sin. And the Bible tells us that on the third day, he rose again. He is resurrected. And then when we read what it says in this passage, that for 40 days... He appears to lots of different groups of people with convincing proofs of his resurrection. And then finally, we come to this bit that we've just been talking about. He he commissions his followers. He says, hey, this is what I want you to do until the day that I return. This is your mission for your life and for anybody's life who calls himself a Christ follower. And then he ascends into heaven. And that's where we picked this story up, wasn't it? Here, his followers, they are stood on Mount Olivet having witnessed Jesus' ascension, but they are still staring at the sky. And so these two angels appear and they give a kind rebuke. It's not a condemning slap, it's not a harsh statement, but it is a clear call to action. You know, the disciples, they've just witnessed like multiple unprecedented events. 
the resurrection of Jesus, his ascension, his just appearance, disappearance into the sky. You might think, wow, I mean, it, it must have been quite hard not to just stand there staring and thinking, wow, what's all this going on that we have just witnessed? But these angels are sent with a message to these disciples because it's really important that Christ followers, that Jesus followers stop staring at the sky. Because they've got something to be doing. They've got a mission to live for. And the reason this simple rebuke stuck so hard and and just struck me in my heart was because I believe Jesus would send a similar statement to us, his church, 2,000 years later, today. Stop staring at the sky. You might think, John, you've gone a bit metaphorical on me. You know, can you bring it down? Can you make it real for me. Let me try and do that. There is so much in our life that can distract us. And I'm not even talking about bad stuff. I'm not even saying sinful stuff. There's just so many things in our life that can distract us, that can draw our attention. And I believe there's a danger we too can become a little bit like the disciples who are left just staring into the sky and we too can become distracted from the clear mission that Jesus has called us to live for. You know, church, in 2022, as we come to the end of this year, as we stand on the edge of 2023, I believe that we need to hear this kind rebuke. Stop staring at the sky. It's not a harsh slap from God. It's not a condemning word. It's just an encouragement to us, church, that we would look where we need to be going that we would come and have a heart for mission, that we would realize that we're not called to be distracted staring off at the sky, but there is a mission that we live for, to see men, women, and children know what it is to find hope and life through knowing Jesus Christ, that we wouldn't get distracted by this thing or that thing, we wouldn't run over there, we wouldn't keep our eyes gazed at the sky, but we would look where God has told us to go, which is to be about his mission, to tell the whole world about his love for them and the hope and life that is available in Jesus. Because it's not always bad things that even distract us. We can get distracted by pursuing comfort or wealth or popularity or relationships. We are busy people. My life is full as much as yours is. But in our busyness, if our busyness leaves no place, for a commitment to follow the command to be Jesus' witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world, if we're not committed to that, are we really following Jesus at all? You might be thinking, John, wow, I thought we were coming for a nice little encouragement this morning. But I hope you hear this, and I hope even if it's hard hitting, that you'd hear my heart in it, and hear God's heart in it. This isn't harsh rebuke. This is encouragement to action. This is that we would take the place where we are called to go, that we wouldn't get distracted, but that we'd instead be focused on the mission that God has given us. You know, after the angels spoke to the disciples, they started walking. They, they got on with it straight away because they were clear on the mission. They'd only just been given it. And honestly, I think most of us, we are clear on the mission. We, we know deep down what God has called us to be about. And so we just got to start walking into it. But if we needed a quick reminder, we'd find it in verse 8, which we read earlier. And we see we've got to receive God's power in our life. And we've got to go and be his witness. We've got to tell our world about him. So that is our clear mission that we are going to live for. 
because this is important stuff. This is about people's eternal destinies. This is about a world that is hurting and broken, experiencing the love and life that comes through knowing Jesus Christ as their Lord. So I hope that you are with me and saying, yeah, I'm going to stop staring at the sky. I'm going to go hard after the mission that God has called me to live for. Well, if that's you, and I believe by faith it is, I've got three Ps that I think are going to help us as we go about fulfilling that mission. Here we go. P number one. We're looking at the P of position. It says in the passage that we've been studying, they were told, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. I found it really interesting when I was studying this, that Jesus felt really clear, so clear that it actually appears in the scriptures that we have today, the need to make it clear for them that they were to go back to Jerusalem and wait there for the Holy Spirit to arrive. You think, well, the Holy Spirit is not defined by location. He could have met them and empowered them anywhere, but they had to go back to Jerusalem to receive the anointing, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Here's two thoughts on that for you today and ways we might apply that theoretically to our life too. The first is this, go back. You might want to write that down in your notes. I wonder if for some of these disciples, this journey back to Jerusalem, once again without Jesus, might have been a little bit traumatic for them. If you look on a map, it's almost certain. You see their journey, they've got to go from the Mount of Olives back into the city of Jerusalem. If you look on the map, it's almost certain that they would have passed close to, if not directly through, the Garden of Gethsemane. And that must have been a bit of a traumatic moment maybe for some of them. Because in the Garden of Gethsemane, that is where Jesus was betrayed. That is where many of them deserted him. Maybe it was a bit traumatic that going back to Jerusalem, that journey. You know, a similar thing though also happens in the life of the Apostle Paul. He has this dramatic transformation, doesn't he? He has this dramatic conversion. Because if you study the story of the Apostle Paul, who is a key character in the New Testament, planting churches everywhere, writing lots of letters that become part of the scriptures that we have today. If you study his life, which you can find the story that I'm going to talk about in Acts 7 and Acts 9, you'll see that in Acts 7, he is there in Jerusalem. He has been part of stoning or the party that stoned this great man of God called Stephen. And then he goes and he travels and he has this dramatic encounter with God on the road to Damascus. But he ends up, before he goes into his ministry, which would be such a powerful and effective ministry, reaching people with the gospel, he has to go back to Jerusalem, where he meets the disciples, where he then goes from there into his ministry of preaching, teaching, and traveling and planting churches. He has to go back. So just like the disciples, they needed to go back to receive the power to then go forward to fulfill the mission that God had called them to. Perhaps there are areas in our life where God wants us to go back. Now hear me in this. I don't mean going back into abusive relationship where we're at risk. I don't even mean going back to once again bring up the traumatic feelings that we might have gone through where we felt so low and so desperate in different seasons of our life. But going back in the sense of allowing God to enter into the painful experiences in our past to bring healing and restoration so that those same things could be part of a testimony that can, he can use powerfully to reach other people and bring hope and life into their life in the future as we go about his mission. We may need to go back 
to allow God to bring healing and restoration for us to go forward and that to be a key part of our testimony as we go about the mission. Secondly, new things. You might want to write, write new things down in your notes. I think perhaps it was important that they experienced this fresh anointing in a place that had rooted centuries of their traditions of worship. Let me explain. Christ, through his death, his resurrection, his ascension, he changed our ability to know God. For centuries, the only way of approaching God has been through the priest, through keeping the law, through temple sacrifices. When Jesus comes and he goes to the cross for your sin and mine, he makes a sacrifice that is once and for all. So now we can freely approach God through Jesus Christ. We can have a relationship with God because of the sacrifice of Jesus. This is something that was opening a brand new way where we could be made right and connect with God. And the Holy Spirit is about to empower these disciples to fulfill this massive mission that they have been given. Something new is about to happen in a place that is familiar. We too can get familiar with the way things were in the past. When we talk about distractions, that can even become a distraction for us. We can be distracted thinking about how we liked it back then. And so we might find ourselves thinking, oh, I wish I was back in, in 2019 or 1990. Wasn't church better back then? Oh, we don't do that anymore. We don't sing that song anymore. The building was different then. I, I miss some of those people. We can get distracted with how it was back then. But I believe God wants to help us to see through this that in the middle of what felt familiar for the disciples, they'd begun to know this city of Jerusalem well, God was about to unleash something that was new because of his power. Or you could think of it like this. It was a familiar setting, but they were about to experience unfamiliar breakthrough. A familiar setting, but unfamiliar breakthrough. Hey, you might have been part of a church that did things a certain way. You might have had certain traditions. They might have been good things. You might have had a great season in your past. But I want to encourage you to keep an open heart. Because maybe in a setting that feels familiar, God wants to, through his power, bring unfamiliar breakthrough. Let's not miss the new thing that God might want to do in and through our lives and through the life of the church. We don't want to get distracted looking back. Maybe you're listening today and you find yourself in prison. Maybe it's been 10, 5 years, it's been a long time. It's familiar now. It's a familiar setting, it's familiar routine, it's familiar people. But I want to encourage you today that if you can have an open heart, if you would surrender to Jesus Christ, if you'd invite him into your life and into your experience now, in what is a very familiar setting for you, you could know unfamiliar breakthrough in your life. If you could surrender to God, if you invite him in through his power, you can experience unfamiliar breakthrough in your life. Your life could be completely changed. It could be completely transformed. And you know what? I believe God would say it's more than just that. He would say to you today that he knows your story. He knows all the things that led up to this moment. But not only does he want to transform your life, I believe he wants to work through your life to bring unfamiliar breakthrough. 
So maybe in that setting that seems so unlikely, you know it so well, it seems so unlikely that a move of God could ever break out. If we could keep an open heart, if we could surrender our lives to God, if we could be open that God's power could come, we could experience unfamiliar breakthrough in a familiar circumstance. And I believe that even through your life, as you surrender to God, He is going to use you powerfully. That He could use you to bring revival into your prison. That in what feels so unlikely, because it's so familiar through the power of God, we can know unfamiliar breakthrough. Maybe you're not in prison, but there's been some circumstances in your life and it's been this way for a long time. And it's been difficult and it's been hard, it's been painful, but it's become the normal. I just want to encourage you to keep an open heart and to invite the power of God into that situation afresh. So in what feels a familiar setting, you might know unfamiliar breakthrough. Position. Let's commit to keep our hearts open for the new things that God wants to do and allow him to heal us from some of those pains in the past. Number two, the second P is purpose. Are we living for the purpose of God? It's really interesting. They were told to wait in Jerusalem, but they were told to walk by the disciples. They needed to get on with the mission. So is it waiting or is it walking? Well, when it comes to fulfilling the purposes of God in our life, I believe it's both. It's both waiting and it's walking. It's waiting and it's walking. It's waiting in so much that absolutely 100% we are dependent on the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We've got to wait to receive the Holy Spirit if we're ever going to be effective in this mission. We won't be effective outside of the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you today. Do you know what it is to know that the infilling, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, his anointing in your life? Because that's what's going to help you to be effective in this mission. And if you don't, I encourage you to ask God. God's a God who gives good gifts. Would you fill me for the first time or fill me afresh with the Holy Spirit? But if you have known that in your life, this waiting, it begins to look like this. Our waiting is spending time in God's presence. It's about building a healthy devotional life. That is where our waiting is. You know, it's a little bit like the electric cars that we see more of on the roads these days. That's a good thing. And those cars are amazing. They can go quite some speed and quite some distance, but only if they've got a full tank. You know what I think some of us are doing in our lives? We are trying to go 100 miles an hour for 100 miles, but there is no charge in the tank. And instead, God is saying, would you wait on me? This is what it says in Isaiah 40, 31. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up their wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. How's your devotional life? Are you waiting on the Lord? Because it's waiting, but it's also walking. And get this. Waiting and walking don't come a long time apart. It's not like, oh, I wait for 10 years and then I might start doing some of the mission. It's, it's together. We wait on God. We're in his presence. And then from there, we're going out. We are about the mission of God that he has called us to live for. You know, we're on a mission to go and reach the world, to tell the world that there's a Savior who loves them, to help them find Jesus, to make disciples of all the nations. And the mission we should be on is not one that's about our comfort, but about God's call. Oh, what does that look like, John? Help me make that practical for me. It looks like inviting your friend, your colleague, a family member. Invite them to church. Invite them to a Christmas service. 
Tell them about Jesus. It looks like serving on a team. Get this. Serving on a team in church is never about fulfilling rotors. If that's been your understanding of it up to this point, it is so much more than that. You know what? God has a redemptive plan for the world. And he says he's going to do that through the work of the local church. He says he will build his church. It's his church. And so when we serve in the church, we're not just filling our rota. We have this beautiful, privileged, divine opportunity to collaborate with God's redemptive plan into people's lives. We get to play a part in lives touched for eternity. It's such a privilege. We get to outwork this. Our walking by serving. You can be open about your faith. Don't hide it. Shine it bright into your world. It's about loving and caring for your community and the people around them and showing them God's love. Purpose. It's about us living sent. Us spending time in his presence and going out and taking that to our world. And then finally, the final P is power. It says this, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The third P, the most important P, is this P, power. This is a massive mission that Jesus gives us. We will never be effective in this mission outside of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It is not possible. But with the Holy Spirit, it is possible. We need his empowerment. And I wonder, do you know the power of God through the Holy Spirit at work in your life? Before I served on staff here at C3 Church, I was a carpenter. I still am. That is my trade. And I got to a point where I said to my wife one day, I need to invest, that, that word, invest, very important when it comes to buying tools. I need to invest in a new drill driver set. And I was at that stage in life, we were both working, we hadn't had any kids at that stage, business was going well, had some disposable income, and on site there's always a bit of banter about oh, which guys had the, the most powerful impact drivers, and so I said, I'm going to go out, I'm going to buy the most powerful commercially available impact driver on the market. And I got myself this. This is a Milwaukee M18 fuel brushless impact driver. Uh, when this was new, it would do 226 newtons, 3,600 revolutions per minute at that time. It was the most powerful commercially inv- available impact driver on the market. And then about two weeks later, DeWalt bought out a new model and it wasn't anymore. And that really upset me. Why am I talking to you about tools? This drill has the capability of doing some powerful work. But you take this battery pack off, and this part here, although it has all the capacity to do it, is next or useless to you. You'd be better off with one of those hand screwdrivers than this body. But you put this power on, and it can do amazing work. That is like us in the Holy Spirit. I believe God has given us giftings in our life. He's placed skills. He's given us callings. Outside, though, of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that battery doesn't get attached. If the power is not there, we will not be effective. But when we combine, when we say, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you fill me? Would you empower me? Would you be the thing that makes this thing work? My gifts, my talents, the things that God has placed in, I surrender to you. Will you use me? I believe then God can use us powerfully to reach our world. And I hope that your prayer would be like mine and say, God, would you fill me afresh? Because when the Holy Spirit falls, so much is possible. The first time Peter gets up with the other disciples after the Holy Spirit falls at Pentecost, read about it this week, Acts 2. It says that 3,000 people responded in the appeal. 
to follow Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want my appeals to be more like that. I want to see more people find hope and life in Jesus. And so if you, like me, are saying, yeah, God, I just pray that you would fill me afresh. I don't want to spend my life staring at the sky, distracted by what wasn't important. Actually, I want to live a life that's about purpose. It's about meaning. It's about people's destinies changed. Hope, restoration, life coming because they have met with Jesus Christ. Then I would love to pray for us together. Why don't you, wherever you are, just quieten yourself. Let's wait on the Lord. Lord, we wait on you. Lord, I pray that you forgive us where we have been distracted. Lord, we repent from our distractions. Lord, I pray that you'd heal us from some of the pains of the past, that they would become part of a testimony that would be powerful in our future. Lord, I pray that we'd stay open to the new things that you want to do. And Lord, I pray most importantly that you would fill us all afresh with the power of your Holy Spirit, that we might be effective to witness to our world. And finally, before we finish today, you might be listening to this and you might not know Jesus. You might not know Jesus at all. You might not know what it is to have that hope, that fresh start. You might not know what it is for God to come and start to restore some of the painful things in your life. For God to give you a purpose and a future. Something that's worth living for. Well, I want to give you an opportunity to make that decision right now. It's the best decision you could ever make, which is to follow Jesus, to receive him as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And I want you to join with me in your heart right now. Say this prayer. And you can use this as saying to God, God, I want to receive your invitation. I want to make you Lord and Savior. I want to follow you. Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your love for me. Thank you that you went to the cross for me. Lord, I pray you'd forgive me for the things I've done that have separated me from you. Thank you for new life today. Thank you for a purpose to live for. Thank you, Lord, that you love me. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer today, in any of our locations or online, we'd love you to let us know. Because following Jesus is the best journey that we could ever go on. And church, let's make a commitment that we are not going to be found staring at the sky. We're going to get walking on the road and we're going to go reach our world with the love of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.